So welcome to this week's Me and My Golf podcast. And we have a very special guest, an amazing golfer with an unbelievable online following. He's extremely knowledgeable and funny and with a face for podcasts. Hello, Peter Finch. How the devil are you? I'm great, mate. Thank you for that suspiciously glowing introduction. Um, I suspect things are likely to change uh, in the course of the next 60 minutes. But thanks for having me on, boys. No problem, no problem at all. And I'll tell you what, let's get straight into it because this is something, obviously we do the notes before the podcast, what are we going to talk about? I'm really keen to know your story and I think Andy is as well. I'm sure a lot of people are as well because I haven't really heard exactly how you got into YouTube, you know, how you started in golf. So the floor is yours, sir. Well, I escaped South America on the back of a dinghy. Um, (laughs) It was... To be fair, it was it was very much by it was very much by accident, very much by chance. So I was doing my PGA kind of training down in the Midlands, not too far away from where you boys were based, actually. Um, See, so where where all the where all the best, <laughs> all the best the social hub. golfers come from? The hub. <laughs> where all the failed golfers come from? <laughs> <laughs> so I was down there. I was coaching, not particularly um, not particularly enjoying it, to be honest. I'd just done a few years as a journalist just to see uh, something different outside the PGA and came away from that kind of completely burnt out really just completely mentally gone went back into coaching at a, a small driving range and just wasn't really enjoying it um, and then a chance came up to coach at Trafford Golf Centre up in Manchester um, let me just close uh, close whatsapp we're all doing the same right now (laughs) (laughs) and the chance came to come back up north to manchester so from preston originally but uh rick shields andy carter and a few other guys who i'd been to with college were already coaching there so it was a classic you know not what you know who you know they put a good word in uh, managed to get that role and then just started grinding at coaching and it was an exceptionally busy place um to coach but one thing i noticed straight away rick who'd been doing youtube for probably about a year and a half at that point his diary was by far the fullest and it got me thinking well if that's what he's doing to fill up his diary maybe i should give it a go and i'm very much not the person to walk around the driving range and ask people if they want a lesson i hate that I hate that pro. I hate that guy. And I know you've both done it. And I'm not yeah. saying, <laughs> we and still I'm not saying hey, you, but just that, yeah, it, that, it's not for me. I, I'm generally not a person who will go up and speak to random people anyway. Um, the thought of it just fills me with terror. So I thought, well, if there's a way that I can advertise myself as a coach, and then it seems to be working for Rick, why not give it a go? Um, and it works really well. So it got to the point where I was coaching. 50 60 hours a week at points and doing the youtube on top of it and like most people find it just reached that tipping point you know i was earning okay money off youtube good money off coaching and then eventually it just kind of evened itself out and then dropped a day of coaching a little bit more youtube dropped a day of coaching more youtube and now it's a complete complete role reversal i mean if i think about where i was say six years ago i'd i'd I was hardly on YouTube. I, I, I'm, you've got to be honest, I, I'm not entirely sure before I uploaded my first video that I'd ever actually understood what it was. 
Like, <laughs> I, I was very much just on Facebook and Twitter for like d during my journalism time. So YouTube is a complete unknown to me. And now it's, yeah, it's what I do. It's YouTube crazy. Life. Yeah, literally. It's unbelievable. And, and, that, and that's my life. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> the red book. Um, so let, let's talk about you as a golfer then, Pete, because you obviously play and it's part of your, uh, your content is you playing and, you know, you're still passionate about that. Mm. What are your goals as a player? Um, I'm doing a series which is Quest for the Open, which is basically me trying to improve my own game to compete in open qualifying to hopefully get through to the Open. Um, and the reason that I'm doing that is very much coaching based. So I am not a person who learns well in a classroom. I just, it, I never have been hated school, hated it. Just wanted to get away as soon as possible. Um, and oddly enough, I've become a much better learner, probably like a lot of people I've become a much better learner since I've left school than, than I was in it. But I always find that my best way to actually experience and understand things is to actually do so during the last few years just been going through a process of getting coaching myself playing in competitions myself and it's something which i would urge all pros to do like to actually try and play in comps and actually try and keep their game in shape because i think at times and certainly i was doing it at trafford when i wasn't playing people were coming in for lessons after a few weeks you know, not really improved or they'll come back in and they'll say, oh, you know, I played in the competition, but this was a score I shot. I'm not getting better. And as the, you know, slightly forgetful, arrogant guy that I was at that point, I was thinking, well, why not? Like, this isn't that hard. Like, I've told you what to do. Why aren't, why aren't you going to do it? It's, you know, I was getting very frustrated. And then I started playing in comps again. And then I remembered, I was like, oh, yeah, golf is bloody hard, isn't it? Um, it is a great kind of, it's a great way to just understand what other golfers are actually going through. And it's, and it's part of, I always believe it's part of being a golfer, you know, playing in competitions and testing yourself against other people. So what I've managed to learn over the past few years has been, has been brilliant. And I've been able to pass that on to, to people who are watching the video. So, I mean, my, my golf is, it's important to try and improve to know that I'm doing the right things, but it's very much secondary to the knowledge that I'm hopefully accruing, really. And what are the biggest lessons then, Pete? You said you've learned a lot over the last few years by delving back into tournament play, and it's, mm -hmm. it is totally different when you've got a, uh, when it means something, we're all good on the driving range when there's no pressure, or when we can take another one, when we've got to edit it. But what, what's the biggest lessons? <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying? <laughs> that must be just me and Pierce then. Um, <laughs> What are your biggest lessons that you've learned over the last few years by delving back into that? Um, in a positive way, I've actually learned that I hit the ball pretty decent. Like when I'm, I managed to play with quite a few tour pros and um, have that wonderful experience in, in competitions as well. And actually hitting the ball, I'm decent. I'm decent. Short game is a massive divider, absolutely huge. But the biggest divider I've seen really and the, the point that I really need to improve on is uh, mental game. Like that's a, it's a completely, it's a completely different skill set that I've not, I've not worked on. Like a lot of golfers, like a lot of golfers don't work on the mental game because it's, it, it's almost last in the queue. You know, if you ask your, your general golfer what they need to work on, it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm slicing it. Oh, I'm three putting, um, oh, my chipping's crap, you know, 
they'll, they'll go through the list and the mental game and how they're actually approaching it won't get mentioned. And it's, it's so important. You know, golf is a very unusual game in the, in respects that you've got so much time to think you've got to be using that time wisely. And it's something that I've not managed to really figure out, um, in the past few years, I've been working with uh, Lee Cromwellholm, who's a sports psychologist, works with a lot of tour pros. He's given me some really good advice, and now I just need to go ahead and implement it. It's been slightly tricky, obviously, over the last year and a half, because not been able to play. So yeah. that's been a bit um, that's been a bit of a shame. But listen, there's there's other things going on in the world right now that are probably are probably more serious than me competing in the PGA North region. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, that's important, Pete. Come on. So I'm glad you talked about mindset because that's one of the questions that we've got here. And I think, like you say, Pete, most people are thinking about fixing their slice and, and all the, the tangible stuff that they can see. From a personal level on, on yourself, from your mindset, what's been the biggest challenges for you, um, which I'm sure that the, the listeners are going to be, re- be able to relate to this? And what are the things that you've either done to overcome them or what are the things that you're doing, the tools that you're using that are actually helping you sort of overcome those challenges? I think the biggest, one of the biggest challenges I had, um, certainly when I started to work on my own game and started to improve again, was uh, competitive pressure. So again, the difference between just going out and having a round to the difference between teeing it up in a competition, it's the same game, you're on the same course, but it's a completely different situation. It's a completely different mindset. So actually struggling with that, amount of competitive pressure i think you in many ways i was adding to that myself because i was publishing all my results and you know making videos about it so i kind of felt that there was maybe a little bit more riding on it in some mm-hmm. respects um so actually overcoming that is a big hurdle again one of the best ways for me and having learned by experience is i know that the first comp back this year i'm going to be nervous and it'll take me a while to get settled down I need to play in comps. I need to keep playing in competitive environments to keep myself sharp. Like there's some, there's some players who can, you know, not play in a comp for months and months and months and then get right back at it. You know, they've got that natural competitive nature. I'm not that person. I need to kind of ease my way in and get used to that pressure again. So that's something I've learned, definitely. Um, the importance of clutch putting is something that I really learned as well. Um, and I'm actually, that's probably the thing that I'm most proud of as far as an improvement is concerned. Um, I've really worked hard on that and that's coming to fruition. And I think the biggest thing for me is actually at the moment pre-event. So I found when I was going back to competitions earlier on in 2020, God, so many years, um, <laughs> Only last year. God, it seems like a lifetime ago already. <laughs> oh, my word. Um, I was finding that my preparation for events was was terrible. And you, know, you guys you guys know this. If you're spending all time on your laptop, all the time on your phone, you know, you're going for, I was going from basically competition to competition without any real practice in between and just struggling with actual sleep and rest and recovery. And it was just like a, a thing that just kept mounting and mounting and mounting. You know, I wasn't sleeping, getting up early, doing loads of work, not sleeping, working, not sleep. And it, it was just mounting up and mounting up and mounting up. And then I think my last, last comp or last year, I just had a like complete 
meltdown on the golf course, like a, a 12 year old boy meltdown on the golf course, which was you weren't throwing your clubs and, and, and swearing people. Were you? No, no, I'm not. See, I'm not an, I'm not an outwardly angry person. So unfortunately it just kind of goes inwards. So it's just like an implosion. It's just like a, like a star collapsing in on itself turn into a big black hole of doom and despair. It's it's horrible. It's horrible. I remember I remember I remember you putting on social about it actually. You said you were struggling with the sleep and obviously you've got the whoop now as well, which I'm sure has helped you a lot. We we love it for that sort of stuff. But it, it do you feel you're in a better place now? I, I feel I understand it a little bit more now. It's just the implementation because it's very hard for me to and again, you know, you guys probably understand this. Um quite a bit as well you know if i'm if i'm looking at my week and i'm thinking well week two weeks in advance thinking well this video needs to go there this video needs to go there and i need to film it there there and there it's a case of actually saying listen if i want to do justice for the quest for the open series i actually need to not release that video Mm. i need to take that time back and focus on rest focus on actual practice and training but it's it's a hard thing to do because you know at the end of the day, if you look at it from a, a business point of view, I've got people working for me now. And if I'm not making videos, I'm not making content, then I'm not backing myself up to obviously pay their wages. The flip side of that is, let's say, I actually managed to make the sacrifice as far as work is concerned and focus on my game. Who knows where that will actually lead? Mm. You know, if, if I managed to, if I managed to get through open qualifying, I can turn around and say listen i've i've got this whole raft of experience here and this formula which i know has helped improve me maybe it can help improve you um go buy my book (laughs) (laughs) go buy my book i like it that's not by the way that that is not the plan that is not the plan i just want to make sure that everybody knows that um i'm not i'm not mentally releasing a book in my mind before learning how to write I like it though. I like how you're purposely putting yourself under pressure. And I think that's something that the amateurs can learn from this. They all ask us, um, how can I perform better when it means something? But I think one of the things that, you know, from it sounds like what you're really focusing on is just putting yourself in that scenario more often. So when you're in that scenario, it just feels more and more comfortable. So, yeah. um, yeah. Well, you know, it's how, it's how diamonds are formed (laughs) under pressure. But also coal is formed uh, by the same process. Uh, so, you know, what, we'll let you choose. What, who knows what I'm going to become? I'm going to become a fossil, lump of coal. You know, I might rot down into oil. You know, who knows? Okay, let's talk. Let's talk about distance, Pete. You're back on the distance train. You're trying to. We've seen some of the stuff on social. You smashing it and, and going for speed. Um, first of all, why are you doing it? What's the, what's the motivator behind that? Um, and then talk a bit about your training in, in terms of the gym, because I know you're back in the gym, and then some of the swing changes that you're doing in order to create this speed. What, what does that look like? It's, again, it, it was something which I've always, I've always had like a passing interest in fitness. Um, I'm not someone who, I'm not someone who regularly will kind of get out of bed in the morning and think, oh my God, you know what I want to do today? Go to the gym. That's not. <laughs> That's really not me um, by, by any stretch of the imagination. But with how you can see golf going now, you know, having an understanding of how to generate speed and how to hit the ball far, it's absolutely essential. You know, the, the best players in the world 
with only a couple of exceptions now, all absolutely smash it. And it's just the modern way of playing. So my knowledge of actually how to hit the ball far, you know, maybe a year and a half ago, it wasn't that great. You know, I, I kind of had a bit of an understanding of maybe where power came from, but I knew there was a whole raft of information there that I didn't know anything about. So that was really the motivation, again, just to find out more about it, you know, to put myself through a series of tests and kind of to do some video content, uh, which is going to be coming soon to my channel at Peter Finch Golf. <laughs> um, and it, it was all, it, again, it's all about that process, you know, trying to learn, trying to understand. So I did what I always recommend people do is I got coaching. So I've got a trainer who's actually taking me through everything and kind of helping me understand what I need to do a lot more um, and punishing me <laughs> every, <laughs> every time that I see him. Um, so I've been doing that. And I'm, again, I'm documenting that process. And from a technical point of view, again, working with a, another coach who understands ground forces, for example, a lot better than I do, who understands yeah. mechanics a lot better than I do. So it's just understanding. And that's, it's what I like to do. I, I like to understand. I like to gain knowledge. And as mentioned, the way I do it is by doing rather than just kind of reading. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're on that exploration. You're just really trying to explore different areas to push yourself and and understand what you're capable of, which is which is great. And is that your coach with Danny? Did you see Dan Whitaker? Yeah, to understand uh, Dan Whitaker. Dan Whitaker for um, coaching. Yeah, and uh, Andy down at down at the gym. What are the things then that you've discovered in terms of the ground force and and what you? have worked on from a technical side of things then, Pete, to get some of these um, yardage gains? Um, I mean, in very, in, in the most simple terms, the actual knowledge that pressing down into the ground actually allows you to draw energy up. So, you know, I think if we went through our training at a similar time, well, you guys a little bit before me, be the, the young man that I am. Um, but I think... Everyone, certainly at the PGA at the time I was getting trained and certainly you at the time of getting trained, if you'd have asked them, how do you generate power? It's all, you know, hip turn. You've got to turn your hips. You've got, you got to restrict your hips in the backswing. Yeah. You've got to turn your hips on the way through and then you've got to release. You've got to get, you've got to, you've got to get one of them on the go coming through. <laughs> you know, that was, that was how we were kind of taught. So... For many years, that's what I believed. And I did a, a series pretty much when I started YouTube, actually, about um, a quest for 350, which is about mm -hmm. hitting a 350-yard drive. And I managed to do that via that knowledge of, um, you know, rotations and all the rest of it. As soon as I started to understand about ground forces, you know, I've hit an absolute ton. I'm not kind of bragging here, but I've hit a lot mm. of 350-yard drives now using the same... Um, simulator software as I was doing then. So I know comparably it's the same. It's this, you know, it's the same. And I know that I'm getting stronger and faster in how I actually swing the club. Um, the knowledge of actually how my body breaks down when I start to swing it fast is, is really interesting as well. So one of the reasons why I lose a fair bit of control when I swing at those speeds is not being able to kind of maintain my posture, not being able to maintain ground pressure actually moving out of it and early extending so that is knowledge that i've just accrued again just through doing mm -hmm. doing 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 and i think over the past few years i've actually learned that like failing and actually doing things wrong is the best way for me as well 
So if I try and do something, give it a go and I get it wrong, that's fine. Because I can then go to someone and say, this is what I'm doing. This is what's going wrong. Can you help me? Yeah, you're doing this, 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 and this. So, all right, okay, cool. Yeah. And then understanding how I fix it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Pete, let's go on to some, let's go on to amateur golfers. So obviously you've played, you've played in some pretty high profile pro-ams. You managed to play plenty of, uh, you know, hopefully plenty of social golf. I know you play a lot of golf with your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you're on the golf course, or even if it's in the comments on some of your videos, what basically drives you crazy with amateur golfers? Crazy. Because we're all there, we're all, we're all golf coaches, we all want to help. And then you see someone do something, or you hear people doing things, you go, oh my God, why are they doing this? I would, I would say that it, it's a difficult one to answer, obviously, because everybody's, you know, every golfer is unique in many ways. For sure. Um, probably the one thing which frustrates me more than any other is just like level of expectation. Hmm. So... It, and take my um, take my dad dad for example. My dad's hilarious in many ways, um, but he will expect very very different results and have an aspiration of a result without actually practicing. <laughs> so it's you know it, you'll you'll know it, and everyone kind of watching or listening to this will understand as well. You know they'll play with people and they're like, oh, you know, I always three put when was the last time they were on the putting green? Mm. 12 years ago. When was the last time they had a putting <laughs> lesson? They've never had, one. never had one. Oh, I always do this. Why am I so rubbish at putting? I should be better. Well, yeah, you can be. But, you know, you've got to, you've got to be able to put the work in. Like, you've mm. got to understand that that golfer who plays, you know, 12 times a year and expects to get better every time they play, it's just not realistic. And that's probably the only, the only frustration that I have is, is people understanding that if you are only social golfer, you are only playing once a month, it's, it's fine to hit bad shots. Like you are going to hit bad shots. Yeah. You know, Piers, your attitude to hitting bad shots is fantastic. <laughs> of course, phenomenal. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal. But I think it's a very valid point. And I think anyone listening to this as an amateur golfer, you know, those expectations. I mean, we speak about it a lot and with all the pieces of content that we know that we've created on getting golfers better, there probably isn't anything more powerful than controlling and understanding your expectations. It really isn't. So it's a you know, great answer. Yeah. And I'd, I'd also maybe just add into that as well, as well as expectations. If you control your expectations and you understand the current level that you're at, for a start, it can help you plan how to get better, but also it can just help help you enjoy it more. You know, mm. at the end of the day, golf is a hard game, but it is a game. Mm. You know, if you're playing and you're not enjoying it, don't play. Okay. Or, you know, figure, figure out how to enjoy it or just, just go do something else. Like go play chess, you know, whatever. <laughs> if, you know, if you're out there punishing yourself, I mean, like, hey, listen, some people like that. Some people, <laughs> some people enjoy the pain. Um, <laughs> But if you're out there and you're not enjoying it, you've got to ask yourself why. Yeah, I totally agree. A lot of people don't even know either that they could enjoy it more. It sounds quite strange. I just don't think people know. They go out there every week and I think their aspirations become their expectations and they, they just punish themselves all the time. And they're going, well, they're not even aware that they could have a lot more fun if they 
balanced out their expectations and understood where they're really at and go, oh, I'm allowed to hit bad shots. That's, I, didn't really, I didn't really expect that. I didn't really know that I could do that. But um, yeah. yeah, it's a massive part, really. Yeah, and just understanding where you're at, because there's obviously nothing wrong with having aspiration yet, what is what drives many people forward. But, you know, waiting 260 yards for a par five green to clear when you've got a driver in your hands off the deck over water, you've never hit that <laughs> shot before. You can't get annoyed when it goes <laughs> in the water. You know, you've got to accept that that is probably likely going to happen. So it's that dividing line. It's yeah. not easy to do. It's not easy to do, but it takes a bit of self-awareness. And, you know, we're all, we're all guilty of it, of course. Yeah, yeah. Self-awareness is absolutely the key. So let's, let's just go into a little bit on, obviously, I'll, we always like to ask this question of coaches, you know, from a technical point of view, what are the biggest mistakes that you see and how do you go about working on it? Maybe just pick, pick the biggest one that you see and how do you go on about working about it? Grip. Grip. There we go. Straight in. And and for you, how what what can Thanks that do for to me, golfer? Yeah, <laughs> great question, great answer. <laughs> Off we go. Um, what <laughs> that's that's great. It is a really good and important part of the of the game. We know what what are you? Why <laughs> why for you? <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of people will have a look at their swing and try and understand technically and the mechanics of what's going wrong. So you know, if you take take for example a slice, you know. Why do you slice it? You know, oh, well, I'm, I'm coming over the top. I'm casting, you know, my right elbow's out, you know, all this kind of stuff. You might be swinging left because your face is open. Mm-hmm. Like, it's as simple as that. Like, if your face is open and you are a half-competent, you know, athlete, which is, you know, a wide range of people, most people can understand how to throw a ball, for example. You know, you will automatically just throw a ball straight. If your face is open and you're gripping it in a weak manner, you have to make a compensation to get that ball back to target. It's as simple as that. So before you start checking anything to do with being over the top and all the rest of it, you've got to check your face and the direct controller of face is grip, then it's wrist angles, and then you can move on from there. Understanding where faces it impacts and understanding what controls that angle, like that is by far the most important thing by far the most important thing. The flip side of that is grip is a hard thing to work on, mm. especially if it's, if it's been set in for quite a long time. For sure. You know, change in a grip position is horrendous, you know, even by a small amount. If you're gripping it really weak and then you're gripping it, you have to move it stronger, that's easier. But if you're gripping it very strong and then you have to kind of get it a little bit more weaker, that's a, a terrible kind of situation to be in because it just feels horrendous. Yeah. But, it'll be worth it in the long run. And that's what you're going to focus on. Yeah, I love it, I love it. I think, we, you know, we've all been guilty of this and, you know, and people doing this, they'll video the golf swing, they'll see the big moves, the sway, the over the top, as you say, the early release, and they'll, they won't really look at the root cause that often and they'll just be working at the same thing over and over again and different golf coach, different YouTube video, and before you know it, they're, they're, they're just in the same place they've always been. It's always the problem with, it's always the problem with YouTube videos is that, you know, obviously I'm never going to say anything bad about a YouTube video, but you are very much reliant on the person watching to understand what they're doing wrong mm. because it's, it's perfectly possible for someone to see something within their swing, but then not understand the root cause, but they don't, they're not supposed to, you know, yeah. that's why you go for a lesson. You know, if you're ill, that's why you go see a doctor and you don't ask us. 
you know, there's a reason that you go see a professional in that field. You know, if you want a beautifully cooked souffle, I'm not the man to go see. I'm only saying this because I've been practicing cooking souffles, by the way, and I'm getting there. Um, but, you know, you, you go see that professional for advice. And the whole point of a good professional is that they can identify that quickly and then help you solve it. Yeah. I want to see. I want to see some examples on the um, social of these. The perfect rise on these souffles, please. Souffle. <laughs> well, the last. I was annoyed actually. The last ones I did, they were rising really well. I think I took them out a bit early. Oh no! And they kind of caved in a bit, and I was like, <laughs> oh, devastating. The Getting too plan. eager. Quick question. That, that, that's a good thing about going back to the gym a bit more and exercising. Can eat, yeah. can eat more, more crap. <laughs> Got to get those cows up. Got to get those cows up. Want to be like Bryson? Got to get them cows up. You got to get them up. Okay, right. Pete, what is the best thing about what you do? Oof, crikey. Best thing about what I do. Um, I would, first of all, being being my own boss, like, amazing. Mm. Like, I have always had a thing about kind of authority figures. I don't know kind of where it came from, um, but like working for someone else, I've always found incredibly difficult. And I imagine that people who've employed me in the past have found me incredibly <laughs> difficult as well. So I just want to apologize. It's always a two way, uh, it's always a two way road, isn't it? Um, so that's massive, you know, to be able to set my own, set my own agenda and do the things that I enjoy. And that's like, that's amazing. It's not, it's not very often that people can say, you know, they wake up and they're going to do something which they enjoy. Mm. Like that, it's not, you know, it's not very common. Um, so that's a, that's a huge factor. And then it's working within sports as well, which I've always loved. Um, and I think the best way I can describe it in many respects, I mentioned before how I was doing, um, I was a couple of years as a journalist. So if, if, any golf pro, if any young golf pros are uh, kind of listening to this and they're like going through the PJ and all the rest of it, I would highly recommend taking a couple of years out from golf and going to do another job, which is outside the golf industry. Because you'd be, I am amazed at how many negative golf pros there are hmm. to kind of the industry that they're in. But a lot of the time it's because they've been a good junior, gone into being an assistant, gone into being a coach or a head pro, something along that line. They never actually left golf. Trust me. Go do a job with like some real stress and you'll understand <coughs> how unbelievably lucky that we are to actually be within golf. Honestly, God, those, those few years as a journalist were horrendous. Really? Terrible, yeah. I mean, journalists are... I mean, we, I'm going to still include myself within this. We're very strange, odd, odd people. Like, talk about people who enjoy pain. That's probably a joke. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I always always have a, a soft spot for journalists now. Now I understand, like, the whole process. Certainly within, um, I was basically daily newspaper journalist for a few years. Okay. So it's a very, you've obviously got different kind of journalists. But, yeah, that that situation really taught me about just an understanding of being grateful for, for being within golf. It's, yeah. Love That's it. the only way I can describe it. Really. 
Hi everyone, Andy here, just letting you know about something that we've created just for you. MeAndMyGolf.com is our membership platform that we believe is the best resource out there to improve your golf. And one of the questions that we get asked all the time is what's the difference between YouTube and the website? And the main difference being is that sometimes people can get lost in content on YouTube and not really having a clear structure or plan of where to go. So we wanted to create something that was, was really going to help golfers. We've got over a thousand uh, coaching videos on there, but our main thing or main feature on there are the coaching plans. And we've seen some amazing results from these plans. And these are basically carefully designed plans on all areas of the game, so you don't have to think or worry about what to do. We tell you exactly what to practice each week and whether you're looking to break a certain score, fix a slice, improve your putting or short game, we have a plan that will suit you. We're even staggered at some of the results that golfers are getting from these as well and we even have a private Facebook group where all of our members go and share experiences and support each other. Real nice place, positive place to be. And we'd love to see you over there and have the chance to help you with your game so make sure you head over to meandmygolf.com and check out your free trial with no obligations to join check it out and see if you can find a plan and become a part of this amazing community what's been the highlights of your the the online stuff so far then Pete? what's been the best thing that's happened over the last how long how long have you been doing youtube now 2000 and it's, it's maybe it's over it's just over six years i think okay over six, six years um the best thing in that six years um travel is massively up there um because you know i i went certainly when i was younger i think i went to florida a couple of times but apart from that it was just it was just scotland which i love by the way i'd live in scotland straight away if i could but carly if you're listening to this <laughs> um, <laughs> we're moving <laughs> so i mean i've been working on this for many many months it's not got me anywhere um <laughs> The actual travel aspect of it is has been brilliant. You know, golf is a a sport that can take you so many, so many different places, and that has been. A, I'll tell you what. I'm watching um, Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Okay. And I, I don't know if you can remember it, but like near the end when he's going to the kind of place where the Holy Grail's hidden, he goes through like this little um, kind of passageway, and there's. This oh, like, you've been there, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, in yeah, Jordan, Petra in Jordan, like just a truly incredible, mind-blowing place. One of the Mithras was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, I think. Um, and I re when I watched the film like last night, I went through it, saw it, and I was like, "Oh, bloody hell, I've been there! That's, I was there! I was there! I got my phone out, getting pictures. I was like, oh, this is amazing! This is brilliant!" And the thing about Petri, you might not uh, know. Sorry, just going completely off uh, topic here. The local uh, people to Petra, you know, when I went there, I was kind of weirded out because they all looked like Johnny Depp in, uh, <laughs> in Paris of the Caribbean. So they had all like bandanas on and kind of long braided hair, like the marks under their eyes and all the rest of it, kind of riding horses around. I was like, this is, this is a bit weird, this. Johnny Depp based his character on the locals of uh, oh, there you very, go yeah, it's very unusual um there so yeah go. travel completely off uh, top <laughs> travel's been amazing actually meeting um pros and tour pros and getting to know and kind of understand how they operate has been fantastic and then of course just like playing all these amazing golf courses which mm -hmm. otherwise i wouldn't have been able to get on 
yeah you know it, it's amazing it's amazing the transformation of what has happened during the time that i've been making videos you know when i when i started if i was going to a golf course and i said you know i'm, I'm making videos for youtube like the turn right they'd be very like very standoffish, really not understanding kind of what was going on. And then, God, if you tried to explain it to the pro, <laughs> God, that was a God, was a great one. So you um, want to, so you want to steal my lessons? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're doing what? You're doing what? So I'm just, I said, oh God. Oh God. So that was, you know, that was a completely different situation. Now, if you know, you explain what you're doing, and you know, most courses are just desperate to have you down, and you know. Now it's to the point where courses in different countries and different events are getting us over mm. to then specifically film at that course or that event. You know, that is a, a completely different situation than it was a few years ago. Yeah. It's a, it's a very small window of time where everything's changed so vastly. You know, it, it's hard to, it, it, it's changed so quick and so fast. It's hard to remember what it used to be like. Yeah. The landscape was completely different, completely different. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, obviously we've done, I mean, you know, Peter Finch and me and my golf, we've done quite a few projects over the years and, and I'm sure we'll be able to do plenty in the future as well. But when you've been on one of these trips and you've had this, I need to, we need to ask this question. I've got two questions. First of all, which is the most embarrassing moments that you've had? And then what's the funniest moment? And you may want to combine the two together. Oh, most embarrassing moment. Oh God, I think, <laughs> well, to be fair, I mean, running around uh, Augusta in beach towels was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, that could have been classic. I mean, have, have you told this story on the... <laughs> no, I don't know that we have, I don't oh, think you should go for it. Um, how, do, how, do I, uh, how do I put this? So we were at Augusta and we were inappropriately attired uh, for the temperature. So we went to the shop to try and buy something a little bit warmer and being the tight fisted Englishman that we are decided the cheapest and most reliable thing to get was a master's beach towel, which we draped around ourselves like some kind of medieval cape and then continued to run around the hallowed fields of Augusta oh. National looking like complete twonks um i, I felt was, like i was in a really cool gang at that point but i think if you were actually looking in at us they're probably thinking what are these idiots doing what are, those, what are they doing <laughs> the, um, big boy bandits. The, the beach boy bandits yeah <laughs> and that and then that carried on into uh carried on into the evening as well Oh, but we had a good time, didn't we? That was oh, the yeah. thing. There was enough um there was enough IPA flowing to to not to, oh, to make goodness. those sarongs really kind of really <laughs> appealing. The you Augusta sarong. It was great because they took our phones off us, so we had to speak to each other as well. Did so it was uh it was actually quite a pleasant day, wasn't it? I know, I mean it was it was actually quite I've got to be honest, it was that that was actually very eye opening for me. And it was a little bit tragic because, you know, those two days I had bruises on my thighs. I never checked my pockets like <laughs> so much in my life. Like, where was my phone? Like, where was it? I like, I just didn't know. I, I couldn't compute to begin with. It's kind of sad. Um, that was, that was a real eye opener. Anyway, sorry. Off and a no, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Right. Pete, we're almost done. We're just going to finish off with a quick fire round for you. Um, okay, first question. Your best ever shot. 
my best ever shot. Andrew, there's just been so many. Um, is this one of those quick fire rounds, which isn't really a quick fire round? Correct, uh, correct. It actually takes quite a long time. <laughs> um, my best ever shot. You know what? I will, I will do this in a completely weird way. Um, so I remember playing in a junior tournament. Uh, my dad was caddying for me at the time. And it was at Penwitham Golf Club, uh, which is a golf club, <laughs> nothing else really to say about it, to be honest. It's in Preston. It's all right, it's a decent track, very tight, not usually for me. Um, and I've reached the 11th hole, it's like a par five down by the river. And it's been raining a bit, it's a bit soggy. So I've hit a drive down there, fairway, happy. I'm not having a great day. And this was kind of, I was 14, 15. So I was in that kind of hormonal, angry golfer stage. And I'd hit, <laughs> this is par five, so about 230, whatever to the green. And I had one of those little um, tailor made three woods. I can't remember what they were called, but it was very similar to the PT. Remember those like little tiny, maybe a little tall burner. Tall burner. Yeah. yeah. I had one of those. Flex twist yeah. shaft in it. Yeah. You know, oh, oh. it was a, yeah, it was a, yeah, players club. Players club. And I was like, look, I was looking this all up and down. I was like, just looking at the corner of the room. And I hit this shot and I pured it. I struck it so well. And I was like, oh, it's like looking up. I couldn't see it anywhere. And I was like, where's that gone? I looked over at my dad. He was like, I'm not seeing it. Looked over at the guys I was playing with. So I'm not, not seeing it. He said, oh, I struck it well. It felt good. It must be, must be down near the green. We'll, we'll find it somewhere and took a step forward and I've frigging topped it and it's gone about three foot underground. I had to dig it out. I had to literally get a pitchfork and dig it out of the ground. Oh, brilliant. It looked like a badger had been out of the fairway after I was done, but I completely like lost it. So I completely lost it and just got like head just completely gone, just completely gone. And like the rest of the round was a disaster, but my dad afterwards, he was like, you know, that was, that was embarrassing. It's the best shot I've ever seen. It was, <laughs> it, it, it was like, you know, that was, that was actually embarrassing to see. Not the shot, but like my reaction to it. And I'll always remember that because from that point on, I made a, a massive uh, change within kind of my game and, and my mentality to actually not react to shots like that. So even though that was one of the worst shots I've ever hit, I would probably say it was one of the most important to actually me to figure out something really important about golf. <laughs> um, as far as like the athlete, a real best shot. I, I did a video a few years ago with a wooden kind of persimmon driver up at Glen Eagles, almost pulled out from like 250 with it. I mean, that was pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. Um, that springs to mind. But yeah, just, just, just so many. But you know, <laughs> boys, I'm just, I'm a fairways in the greens guy. You know, it's, it's hard to select from. It's a bit fancy. boring, isn't it, really? I'm a boring golfer. <laughs> okay, when's the most nervous you've been, Pete, on a golf course? Oh, my God. Um, first time we did open qualifying um, with the Quest for the Open. I remember this, actually. I remember you telling tell us about this. Holy crap, I was bricking myself. Absolutely papping my pants. It was... Because <laughs> I, I had an idea of what it'd be like. So the first year I was trying to do it, and me and Rick were kind of doing it at the same time, I was at Fairhaven. I'd injured myself kind of a few months before and I couldn't do it. And went to kind of cheer on Rick. 
and we <laughs> we were all waiting around the first tee, and we'd like posted about it and kind of explained about what we were doing and all the rest of it. And there was quite a few people kind of like milling around and sat outside the clubhouse. It was a beautiful day. And then Rick was on the first, kind of teed off. It's a decent shot. And we were, we were asking, we were like, there were a few people around the tee who we knew. It was about six or seven people. And we're like, oh, I wonder how many people are actually going to turn up. So six or seven people. And, you know, you could tell Rick was kind of pretty nervous as well. And he's hit this decent shot, actually. And we thought, all right, okay, six or seven people, fine, manageable. Okay set off the whole of the patio stood up <laughs> behind us and then followed there's about 50 60 people there Jeez. Right down that first tee i was nervous and i wasn't hitting any shots so god knows how rick must have been feeling and we got down to his his ball as well and it was in a bunker fairway bunker if you ever played fair raven there's like 60 million fairway bunkers there and he's like he's knocked it out then he's lost his next ball kind of up by the green and you, it was just like, oh, mm. it was like, oh my God, this is like really like intense. And then the following year, it was at uh, West Lanks where I did it. And it was a similar situation where I was like at the, on the tee and I, I just knew this like massive people around were kind of there to watch. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, just like, just like head was kind of completely aflame, like no idea what the hell I was doing. And I was like, just, just find the fairway. And the only problem was that year, it was like really burnt out. And it's like a dog leg left to right. And it's not a driver. Like if you hit a driver, you're in the rough. But it was that burnt out that it wasn't a three wood. So I was like, oh crap, I've got, I've got an iron off here. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no. And there's like out of bounds left and it's like rough right. Oh, for God's sake, for God's sake, for God's sake. I'm hit, it's my driving iron. I used to love my driving iron. And it's just in my hands and it just feels like, a, like an alien tool that I've never touched before. Like it's a completely foreign object. And I'm, it just got to the point where I'm like, just make contact, just make contact with the ball. And I hit like, you know, I ate it so far off the toe. It didn't hit grooves. Like it was so far off the toe. It it looked okay because it pitched about 180 and then ran out to like 220 because there was like a spin on it. <laughs> and then like sliced it right the green. <laughs> it good up and down actually. I remember the up and down. But that was definitely the most nervous I've ever been. And, and, and even now thinking about it, I'm like, what a, what about the what about the two guys who are playing with you? <laughs> they, they don't think there's anyone going to be there. And suddenly, oh, sixty yeah, people watching them as well. <laughs> I, know. I mean, that was that was oh, so nerve wracking. And then the um, BMW Pro Amp that I played yeah. in kind of a few years ago on the first tee. Yeah, Jeez, that was nerve wracking. That was like good. I don't know, probably six, seven hundred people kind of watching. Yeah, at that yeah, point. yeah. And that was. That was okay because I'm a driver in my hands, and I just yeah. happened to hit like the best driver of the day. It was absolutely bombed. Nice. I walked off like I knew what I was doing. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I do this all the time. Oh, brilliant! Brilliant. Okay. Uh, okay, Pete. Dream four ball. Dream four ball. Um, I mean, if if it was going to be golf wise, it have to be Tiger, Hogan, Sneed probably I'd say mm -hmm. get those boys out there um I think if he's going to be golfers you know the the amount of amazing players that you know we could choose from but I gotta be honest like if it was just gonna be a four ball it'd be say Andrews probably 
talking to my dad and a few mates, really. Yeah. Like that, that, that for me is what kind of what, what it's all about anyway. If it's not like a comp, then just, yeah, just get out there with some mates. Yeah. Maybe you two boys, you know, you could actually get out for a, get out for a game once in a while. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> the, only, the only two players to miss the 18th fairway at St. Andrews in a row. That's what you've become. I drove the green last time I was there, Pete. I was all right. Well, last, last time I played that play with seven, he almost missed the fairway on the last. <laughs> Did he, he really? almost missed the fairway on the first, and he almost missed the fairway on the last. Right, uh, right on the last, though, obviously, yeah? Well, he, off the first tee. I mean, the first tee at St. Andrews, again, that's kind of a place that you're a bit nervous. I mean, you literally have an absolute field to aim for. But, but he sebs it, this, se- <laughs> sebs it, this bloody drive. <laughs> it is like a sky toe. Oh, no thing that's just like shot off straight right and it's actually gone if you think about the first at say andrews like the white railings all down the right mm-hmm. yeah. like down the right it actually goes there and it kind of cuts a bit and you've gone like around the corner you stayed in bounds somehow like there and then the last hole i'm like i hit it and i'm up by the green i'm pretty pleased with that and seps hit like the same shot like no. high off the toe and he's tracking at these cars. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Fortunately, I just a little bit of toe hook at the end and the wind was off the right. But it was like this far. Wow. I was like, oh my God, that is going to smash that ball. <laughs> Windscreen. Oh Love it. Love it. Okay, right. Two more then, Pete. Um, best driver you've ever used? Best driver I've used, to be honest, I think Sim at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think it's the one. I've got the Sim, uh, the next Sim. I can't remember <laughs> when the embargo is. I've got a new driver, which is going to come out with Taylor May 2, um, which I'm going to put up against, um, up against it to see if there's any difference. But last year, when I was testing out the clubs, it, it was, yeah, it was just the best. I mean, it's very, it's very individual because like the mm-hmm. best driver for me, the Sims are very low spinning. I struggle with spin. So having that perfect in the shaft combination, the way that it looks, it all just suits me. It all just mm-hmm. suits me. Um, and it, it's just getting that kind of fit and understanding what you need from a driver. That it's all comes together for me to be the best driver. But there's absolutely no, you know, there's no, nothing to say that I could have got fit for a epic that day. Yeah. And if it was in the right spec, that would have been like the best. Yeah, of course. It, you know, all the, all the manufacturers now, they're so close. Mm. Like, there's, no real, there's no real difference. For me, a few years ago when, um, year, when Mizuno brought out the ST, the ST kind of range of drivers, the new ones, and they were as good as, everyone else that was kind of the point i knew you know if mizuno were making good drivers <laughs> everyone knows mizuno makes great irons but yeah like the drivers for many years were a bit pants as soon as they started to make good drivers it's like well they're, they're all every, every everyone's at it yeah everyone's good yeah the key's in the fitting isn't it really you get you get a good fitting and suited to you that then you're you're lacking on you really. yeah and it's so individual as well because because all the drivers are so close i i need to kind of test this theory out a little bit but I could probably take, say, a 15 handicapper, get them fit with TaylorMade, the next day, get them fit with Callaway, and they'd probably get a driver slightly better, numbers-wise, get them fit with Shrixen, 
they'd probably come out with something slightly better. Getting refit at TaylorMade, and they'd probably come out with slightly better. Mm. Like, yeah. It's so dependent on the day. And obviously, yeah. we could have a few dodgy ones in between. But it's so dependent on the day when you go get a fit as well, which is why you know, it's probably better to have a consistent-ish technique before, uh, before you do that. For sure. Okay, and last question. Something we don't know about you. And the audience might not know about you. God, I'm, I live my life like an open book. <laughs> um, something people don't know about me. I've already said about the journalism thing. Um, God, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 wish, I wish I was a little bit more mysterious, to be honest. <laughs> um, Which means you, you, mean, you need more hobbies, mate. Yeah, probably. Well, you know what? On, on that, that, that could be something. I am a excellent archer, and people. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm um, pretty. Yeah, I'm actually pretty awesome with a bow and arrow, randomly. <laughs> oh, there you and, go. And a shotgun. <laughs> I've been so I've been clay pigeon shooting um, a few times, and yeah, I'm just like naturally. That's probably the only thing that I can think of where I've picked something up and thought, you know what? I'm naturally just really good at this. You think you'd be a good putter, though, wouldn't you, as a result? Oh, I don't have a shotgun when I do use it. No. <laughs> Blast the green apart, that's fine. Now, listen, when the zombie apocalypse comes, you boys know where to come. You ain't going to be teaching those fleshy <laughs> monsters how not to slice it, all right? You're going to want someone who can protect you. You come, you come to Pete. I'll go to Pete. Mate, superb. Thank you so much for your time. It's been brilliant. Um, just, just to finish off with, what's up next for you? Where are you? Uh, what's, what's new for 2021 for Peter Finch? So I think like, I think many people at the moment, I'm just trying to figure out um, kind of the next steps as far mm -hmm. as what this year holds. So obviously there's so much more, so much more uncertainty than, than ever before about what's going on. Um, I've got a few, a few potential trips away planned uh, for filming, which were, which were organized quite a long time ago. So again, it's, it depends how COVID affects them. Um, I'm getting this studio in order kind of here. Um, just so I can do a little bit more filming here. And then apart from that, similar, something that I mentioned earlier on, trying to get my kind of diary in shape so I can actually play a little bit more golf. Um, it's something which I'm very, very, very keen to do. And actually, yeah, play to improve, not just play to film. Love it, love it. Well, we're going to be playing a little bit more this year, hopefully, so... Let's yeah, but you boys always say that. I know we do. Yeah. You always say you I always think we're say ready that, now. and then Andy goes off to Marbella, falls <laughs> off a falls off a golf court, not drinking, um, <laughs> and then can't play for like sixteen months. I know. Oh, I'm back to it now, though. I'm back. I'm back better than ever. Yeah, I think we've we've got so until we get injured, we're ready to play. <laughs> I, I don't know how you boys find the time though. Like in in between your six to ten gym session <laughs> followed by your half 10 to 12 yoga session followed by your one to six gym session i don't really know kind of where you find the time yeah we need to get a seven to eight golf session there yeah we need to squeeze that in there <clears throat> so pete where, yeah. where's the um where should the guys go and follow you where's the best place um just tell them where to go um i've got an absolutely red hot tinder account at the moment it's a complete lie never been on there i've really been with been with carly now for like almost 14 years. Oh, I think wow. I really missed out on like that dating app generation. You haven't missed out on it, mate. No, you don't I think? I don't think, no, not really. 
Well, yeah, me and you are very would be very different on that app, though. Like, I, I wouldn't be very selective. Like, I, I know my limit. Like, anything. You're breathing. Perfect. Let's go on a date. Now, I know you, Andy. You're like, you know, I, I can just imagine what you're, you know what? I'm going to download Tinder. I'm going to find you. I'm going to see <laughs> what your profile picture is. I can imagine what it is right now. I'm, deleting, my what it's I'm deleting it right now. No, I, oh, I can see it now. If you've got a top on in that picture, I will um, eat my face. It ain't going to happen. Um, yeah, if you go over to uh, at Peter Finch Golf and everything. So the only thing I'm not on is um, actually no, I'm on TikTok, but I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> That's the only one I'm not on. You're not there yet. You're not, there. not, not yet. Not yet. yet. Good luck with this year, Pete. Good luck with the question <laughs> open. Um, who's your caddy, by the way? If you go through. Um, so Andy, who is one of my lessons, he normally kind of comes up to, comes up to caddy, but it just depends on, to be fair this year, it depends on who caddy may be. Yeah. Uh, mm. I, I do often find it helps to have a caddy. So if, if it's got to be within my bubble, then maybe, maybe Carly will come down and caddy and be awesome. that, and be that really annoying caddy. Like, why did you hit that shot? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Was oh, that good? Dude. Yes, that was good. <laughs> why didn't he go in the hole, Peter? Yeah, why did he go in the hole? Why did it take you so much to get it in the hole? <laughs> For God's sake. Maybe that's Brilliant. just what I need. Maybe that's what I need. Hey, it could be the one. Could be the one. <laughs> awesome. Peter, thank you so much. No, guys, thanks uh, Thanks for having me. And yeah, hopefully we'll have, a, we'll have a catch up soon. We'll have a catch up soon, for sure. Cheers, Pete. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you found some great value in it. And if you did, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. Also, let us know your feedback by leaving us a rating or review over on iTunes. And remember, if you want to go deeper and really improve your game, head over to meandmygolf.com and start your free trial and check out one of the many plans that are seeing incredible results. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to speaking to you next week.